if you have ever read the Bible, you've probably stumbled across some stuff that looked a little bit strange, just a little bit weird. And in this podcast, My Strange Bible, we talk about that stuff. But the question is, why? Why focus on the weird stuff? Your pastor on Sunday morning doesn't seem to be talking about it. You probably don't talk about it in Wednesday night small groups. So why are we talking about it? I'm pleased to have you with me. My name's Steve. This is my boy, Al. What's up, Al? Hey, Steve. Always a pleasure uh, hanging out with you and uh, talking about Bible and talking about weird stuff. Dude, love it, man. If it's weird, it's important, right? That was one of the biggest sort of maxims that I learned from uh, one of my mentors from afar, Dr. Michael Heiser. And I really am intrigued by this idea. If you're reading it in the Bible and it seems a little strange, then there might be something to it that should make you pause and slow down and take a little bit deeper look. It it's an interesting thought. One thing that just crossed my mind too about it, just because I, I enjoy writing and, and everything, as a fiction writer, you purposely put stuff in your books to be purposeful. You try not to put junk in your book. And so if you're reading a book and you say, Why did that author like say that there's a sword above the mantle place? There must be some reason for that. And it's the same thing with the Bible. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of those weird stuff growing up and just becoming out of touch or bored with maybe the lingo of the Bible and just the stories that we hear repeated, we end up skipping over that weird stuff when no, like the weird stuff is there because it's important. It's interesting that you mentioned about the fiction thing, because that's actually one thing that Dr. Michael Heiser used to say is that when you're reading the Bible, you should really think about it like it's a fiction book, not because it is fiction, right? Not because we don't believe what's real inside of it, but because the way that the Bible was written, it was intending to do something to you. It was intending to, in a sense, ethically manipulate you. It was intending to make you feel a certain way and help you to make connections. And when we read about it, like it's some book in history class or something like that, that's a little bit boring and a little bit rote, we're going to ask, especially as modern people, different questions of the text Mm -hmm. than what it's really trying to communicate to us. So these weird spots in the Bible, these things that at first glance, especially in an English translation, we don't really understand are like invitations to understand what's really going on. Yeah. Two, two points to say to that. I think having a mindset of, and some people even get into their adult years. I know that for me, it happened to my twenties, not really thinking much about the actual writers of, I think specifically of the old Testament, just not really thinking about the writer's themselves, of course, inspired, but they were humans writing um, a lot of times just what they saw or what what things appeared to be. And so the weirdness that they're writing isn't worth glossing over because they're literally describing something weird that either happened to them or happened to someone in the story that they are telling. And so I think having a, a good grasp on kind of the normalcy of the author is just a human being writing some odd things makes it even that much more exciting to to dig dig into. Yeah. Even the question of what is the nature of the Bible? A lot of times Mm. we we think about the Bible was written by humans who were inspired by God, but somehow practically we think a lot more about the God part of that equation than the human part of that equation when it was the human who was doing the writing. And we're often thinking as though God just downloaded these things into the mind of the writer, not realizing that this was a writer 
who was living in a world. He was writing in a context. He read things other people wrote. He retold stories that he heard from other people. And so when you engage with what is being written, minded with the fact or molded together with the fact that it was the mind of God who was placing these people where they were and in his sovereignty, orchestrating these stories to where you and I would read what he intends for us to read. It's really an amazing thing when you put it all together, isn't it? It is. And it's unfortunate that, and we've all been guilty of it, and sometimes for long periods of time, that we tend to think of sometimes certain parts of the Bible as being boring. Or maybe you're in a really big rut and you just think the whole thing is boring, everything that's in there or the gist of it. Because I think that human and divine element together work for something so interesting that you just touched on because yeah we do focus on the the god part of law it's divinely inspired god spoke to these people but we forget that these are humans witnessing some really interesting things and we tend not to put ourselves in their shoes i'm no scholar obviously on uh, ancient uh, history or religion i know some stuff but not in depth but just the worldview that they had and how like the stars function operate and what purpose they served and what the stars actually were and what they saw when they when the sun came up or what they thought about false idols just their whole worldview about these things is totally different than what we have i think getting in the minds of them puts in perspective it still keeps the strange things very odd but it brings them into a a certain light where you can understand it a lot better it does and, and i think that's important to talk about what does it mean like when we're talking about the Bible like being boring? Like mm -hmm. to me, it, it it's even hard to fathom that, knowing what I know now. But putting myself into the shoes of the Steve who didn't have a context for what some of these things mean in the biblical world, it's you keep you get discouraged. You hear the same stories over mm -hmm. and over again. But what ends up happening if you don't have uh, somebody who's really passionate about the word of God and really helping you make these connections. What ends up happening is there are little gaps in the story that you don't really understand. Like just to tease a little bit of this thinking that will become clear in the next episode that we're going to talk about. One of those big gaps is why is the creator of the universe seemingly at war with golden and bronze and stone and wood statues in all these different nations in the world. And why are they always fighting over land? Now, just think about that for two seconds, the way I put that. Hmm. And it's that's one of those things that I would have never verbalized growing up as a Christian and even in my early adult Christian life. But once I had a context for putting it all together, I realized how like rote that seemed mm -hmm. to me like it made me bored because i didn't understand it and rather than digging in and seeking to understand what all of that means for me it just became i'll skip over that it is what it is because it's there right i'm reading it but i'm bored by it and so i, I end up with this this sort of way of uh, theological thinking where if i want any sort of excitement at all about the Bible, I'd have to leave the boring stuff like the life of Jesus. God forbid we talk about that <laughs> and get interested in like eschatology and, and I have to look at how there's different numbers in the Bible that do weird things. And I suggest to you that the true strangeness of the Bible is not in different views of eschatology or like being able to apply some weird number cipher to the text. I suggest to you that it's not about those things at all. It's actually about the stuff that's hidden in plain sight that would have been very mm -hmm. clear to people living during the time when the Bible was being written that is not as clear to us. 
I agree. And again, not to tease it out because it'll be a really fascinating uh, subject to get into. But yeah, we think of the big stories, Jonah being swallowed by the whale, the talking donkey, the sun stopping in the sky. We have these big stories that set on us, but we overlook so often it happens again and again, worshiping the false idols. And we and that's just the part where we normalize it so much. And we think that's just stupid. Like, why would you worship something that's just like a thing? And then you just skip over it. And there's just Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll have a plethora of time that we'll talk about. There's just so much information packed into that that we just glance over. And yeah, I think that's an excellent point there. Yeah. And and the more I engage with the Bible, the more I find it all over. Like I I was doing a study in the book of Judges. We're currently going through that in church. And I was tasked with preaching on Judges chapter four. And I was just so fascinated to find literally the entire gospel story told in the book of judges in this weird story where the dude at the end of the story gets a tent peg driven through his head and Mm. it's like why (laughs) is this there and once you dig in and you start asking the questions of why it's there man it gets really cool and what's neat is we're not talking about things that like there's five things in the bible that are clear it's every page right there's something on in the bible all over the place that's really weird and rather than be afraid of those things what we want to do is focus on those things, right? We want to actually dig into those things and then mind them for the practical truth that they have for us and bring them back out. So we're going to talk about how an ancient person would have understood that text. We're going to just to preframe some stuff I'm thinking about. We're going to talk about why we read Jonah and we think it's about a a whale. We think it's some sort of fish story, but really it's this actual hilarious Mm -hmm. satire that you would have understood had you been living during the the time when the story was being told and you know what all the names mean and what the words mean in the story and and some of those elements to it. Like you've never laughed probably when you read the book of Jonah before, but if you were reading it correctly, you should be laughing. And so little things like that are just I think really cool and really insightful that people don't think about. We're going to dive head first into those things and see what we can mine out of them. Absolutely. And to add to that too, we also want to make these stories applicable to our life. Obviously, these stories are just out the service of it. Very interesting. I'm sure we're going to get into plenty of things where we're just going to have fun and we might go down some rabbit holes and it'll just be fun discovering certain things. But we always want to have an application of it because uh, like you say, Steve, there's always a, a bigger purpose why these things are in there. And we don't obviously want to read into the text and make up our own reasons why something is in there, but we really want to get down to the level of understanding why some of these stories are in there or why a story might be told a certain way and really bring that to light. Yeah. Amen. 100%. As we start to wind this down a little bit, let's talk through, there's three things that I really want to talk about that Mm. really get to the heart and the gist of why the weird stuff is going to be important for us to look at. The first one of those is that God is always telling a larger story. All right, now there's a term, and I never can remember what the term is, okay? But there's a a Latin term that basically talks about whether scripture is speaking in one voice or it's speaking in a a two-voice sort of thing. So it's a plain sense or the greater sense, okay, is the English way of Mm. talking about this, okay? And so the question, is there one meaning to the text or... Is it possible that a text has a meaning that the author would have understood, but that God has a greater understanding for that text? Now, there's some, there's actually a lot of scholarly and theological debate around this, okay? And I tend to lean on the side that it's at least possible for God to know something about a text that's being written that the author themselves doesn't even mm-hmm. really 
understand the full meaning of. For example, I think that it's very possible that the writer of Isaiah 53, talking about the suffering servant, I, I really think it's possible that writer had a figure in mind other than Jesus. And yet I think all along the uh, God was preparing and, and helping that person to place them in a life circumstance to write that story with the express purpose of it pointing to Jesus. So I actually think there are some cases where this is just trivially, trivially true that, that there's a meaning that God means to intend that sometimes it's not as clear right off, but sometimes it doesn't even have to do with that. Like, like what's in the mind of God versus what's in the mind of the writer. Sometimes you have those examples with judges four, like I just mentioned, where, You've got like the story, right? You you can read the story of what happens with the characters, Deborah and Barak and and uh, and JL or Yael, I should say, and all of those people. Like those are the characters in the story. But when you look at the the meta narrative of the story that they tell, it's actually the gospel. And so what I find typically, and this has just been my experience as I start looking into the strange stuff, is that the bigger story that God is telling seems to be found there. It seems to be found in the stranger stuff. That's where you can get sort of the hints and the imagery and the things that God is pointing to to help us understand the big picture of reality. So that's the first one. God's always telling a larger story. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think something that's really important about that, again, just bringing the Bible, making it real for everyone and real for you and real for me, is that I, I reading through the Old Testament growing up or even into my 20s and everything, reading through the Old Testament could have been a slog. And a lot of times it was just reading over yeah. things and getting lost and thinking about stuff elsewhere and just not seeming very important because you know the end story that gets to the New Testament. It ends with Jesus dying on the cross for us. And so you just almost thinking, why can't I just go there? That's where it gets really important. But by uncovering all of these strange things tells its own kind of narrative in a way that really brings to light and like what you said points to Christ even further into the future. And so, yeah, I think it's a, an excellent yeah. way to uncover even more to appreciate that. Yeah. Like on its own, it's like really hard to get excited about numbers and Leviticus, but when mm -hmm. you understand how those fit in the larger story that God <clears throat> is telling, then they become some of the most important books in the entire Bible. So it's really yeah. fascinating stuff. hundred percent. All right, so the second one that I think is important is that the strange stuff ties biblical storylines together that sometimes might seem disconnected, okay? So this is probably one of the biggest insights that I had whenever I first heard Michael Heiser and I was watching that four-hour seminar, you know, that he did on, on Supernatural, sort of teaching the basics of what he calls the Divine Council worldview or the Deuteronomy 32 worldview. And one of the things that I noticed is that the more I watched that seminar, the more it was like, I didn't even realize it, but I where I thought I had the full picture, let's use a puzzle as an example. Let's say I'm looking at a puzzle on the floor. Before I really heard that, I thought I was looking at the full picture. Mm. And it's almost like when I was watching him talk, I realized I didn't have the first picture. And I'm just speaking out loud what I, what I can envision. Like I kind of vision like the puzzle picture like doing a double take flinching a little bit and like seeing something different but then like, seeing a bunch of holes throughout the puzzle like mm. that i almost didn't know were there before 
but they very clearly were like, now I can see that the holes were there. And then, and then I can see those individual puzzle pieces like appearing the more he talked. And again, it's not that Dr. Heiser himself, you know, I think the Lord used him 100%, but also one of the big things that he talks about is that he was not making stuff up, right? Dr. Heiser was mm-hmm. a popularizer. He was a scholar, but he was also a popularizer and he was able to take what biblical scholarship, the most advanced thinking in biblical scholarship and bring it to light in an accessible way. And so the more I heard him talk, I realized that little dots were being connected here and there. And then the more I read and learned, and as I started to learn from other people and and start reading, reading books that got into this stuff more deeply, I, I started to see more and more of those puzzle pieces appearing and connecting the dots and all of those missing pieces seemed to become more clear every time I learned it through discovering something strange. So I think that the strange stuff ties the biblical storylines together in ways that, again, they sometimes seem disconnected on the surface. Yeah, you have a very good point there. And without even looking at specific stories like, oh, this this story in Genesis chapter 11 relates to this story in Isaiah, whatever, just getting into specifically like the Divine Council worldview or just having that open to you just slightly and realizing, understanding just a small like chapter verse of the Bible, you're absolutely right. Your mind starts to race to, oh, what does that mean about in Genesis? Or how does that affect the whole Bible? And you do see the Bible kind of raise up as like a puzzle piece and you see all these missing parts that suddenly start to fill. It's not just each story is exclusive to its own, but it all relates with this worldview and what the Bible is sharing. So yeah, absolutely. I've gone through that experience as well, just seeing that. Yeah. And so to bridge that together and move into our last point here, we're going to spend our entire next episode talking about a little bit of the stuff that we've hinted at. We're going to talk about uh, Dr. Mike Kaiser. We're going to talk about the Divine Council worldview. We're going to talk about those things because they are important and instrumental to both of us. However, it is really important for you to understand that that's, that was like just a gateway. There's mm. so much more to explore and discover, even that one thing. So we're going to go ahead and get it all out of the way in our next episode as much as possible. And I'm sure we'll come back to things and revisit them here and there. But just to give yourself sort of an operating system, a framework for looking at the Bible, I think that will be very helpful for you. What it really boils down to is that there's a problem. And this is the last thing that I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. is that the reason why we're focusing on the strange stuff is to help us demystify three things time tradition and translation okay really what we need to do is place ourselves and situate ourselves into the time when the bible was being written right and the fact of the matter is the bible was written over a period of almost 2000 years by many different authors across three different continents okay mm-hmm. like the biblical time scale like the time when the bible was being written is not today's context it's not the reformation context it's not even in the flourishing of the catholic church context all of that stuff is hundreds of years and even thousands of years now after when these stories were being written so we need to understand the ancient near eastern worldview of the bible and look at these things and talk about what the time separation between then and now how that affects our thinking some of the traditions that we have i know you grew up with lots of traditions i grew up with lots of traditions and as i've learned more about the bible and about christianity and about god frankly i've had to question some of those and reevaluate some of those mm-hmm. re-examine some of those and then translation there are some things that as we're just reading the words 
in an English Bible, we don't really understand what those words mean. You may not know that in Hebrew, there are specific reasons why certain people are named certain things and why certain words are like called certain things. Okay. It, it's a lot of times it's because of the meaning that it represents. And you would never necessarily know that reading it in English. Whereas if you were a, an ancient Hebrew or Israelite, like reading it and, and living in that world, you would know it. So the strange stuff can often help us to ask those deeper <clears throat> questions and penetrate deeper and see what we're looking at. Yeah, uh, 100%. One of the things that I always think of when it comes to translation is just our understanding of the word versus the meaning is Satan or the Satan and uh, getting into all of that. Um, it, yeah, it's it's hard work, to be honest, like thinking about it, too, because we all have our modern, not even worldview, but just our modern English Americanized if you're in a different country, just way of thinking about things. And so to mm -hmm. open up the Bible, even if, okay, this spell was written by someone 4,000 years ago. Let's, let's see if I can try to work through that. It's just hard. And, and it does take a lot of work to, you have to think, you have to consciously think about this specific writer, what period of time he was living in, what might've been the civilizations doing around him. And, uh, but it's fun work mm -hmm. too, because when something catches on, you understand something, you want to keep digging into it and reaching further. So yeah, demystifying the time, tradition, translations, all excellent things. And I think even, even with someone, especially like you, Steve, who has been in it for a while, still has to put on like your thinking cap and get into that mindset when going oh, back yeah. to it. Oh yeah. I'm reading through Job right now. And it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's wild. I'm slowing down. I'm reading some of the stuff. I'm trying to understand it. Some of it I'm only understanding for the first time. And it's just, I'm learning from a nerdy aspect, but I'm also learning from a sort of more uh, personal aspect too. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things are important and will come to light. And I think that focusing on that strange stuff, on that weird yeah. stuff, is going to be the unlock that a lot of you need. So I hope you come along with us on this journey. It's going to be a fun ride and we're going to talk through some things that you've never considered before. I can guarantee you that. And you might just fall in love with your Bible all over again. That's my hope anyway. And for sure, Steve and I will stumble upon stuff that especially me have never come across before and just fall in love with some things all over again as well. So yeah, it's going to be yeah. really fun. Yeah, like you talk about Satan, right? Like, like, why is Satan on God's payroll in the book of Job? Isn't that kind of weird? <laughs> yeah. weird. It's weird. That's weird. We're Let's not skip over it. it. Let's tackle it. We're going to tackle it. We're going to tackle it. All right, everyone. God bless. Thank you so much for actually listening to this podcast and or watching it if you're on YouTube. We're in the brand new beginning stages of this, so please become a subscriber, follow the podcast. If you're listening on audio, leave us a comment. If you're watching on YouTube, we would sure appreciate it. Share this with other people so that more people can join in this journey. You guys take care. See you next time, everyone.